I love singing in the choir, and our church has a, a, a burgeoning men's chorus, and so if you'd like to join us, no prior experience is required. We, we would invite you to uh, add your voice to ours. I, I learned choir from a young age. In fact, when I was in elementary school, I was in choir. And in elementary school choir, I learned that holidays are times for homecoming. I learned this through the song, Over the River and Through the Wood. This is a song sung from the perspective of a child heading to his grandparents' house for Thanksgiving. It perfectly captures this idea of a homecoming. I think it also works quite well at Christmas time. Here's the original. Over the river and through the wood, to grandfather's house we go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the white and drifted snow. But I want to play an imagination game with you. For in imagine if instead of welcoming the relatives, the grandparents barred the door, turned off the lights, and grandma and grandpa were on the porch shouting, Get off our property or else. Not quite the homecoming they were expecting, was it? It actually sort of sounds like the material for a postmodern cynical Christmas movie. I know your relationship with your parents isn't perfect, but this is taking it to extremes. As troubling as my made-up example is of family hostility, it actually has two significant parallels to the text that has formed the basis for our evening worship this evening, Psalm 24. This psalm describes an unlikely holiday homecoming. The first troubling parallel is this. Psalm 24 shows that you've made plans on holiday to come not to the grandparents' house, but to the father's house. But when you get there, the troubling discovery is this, you are not welcome. That's right, even though you're made in the image of God, created by God, as fallen sinful creatures, you are unwelcome in the Father's house. Because of your sin, you're actually more like God's enemy than his child. You can see this in the text where, as Psalm 24 begins, the great God, the creator, is described as the Lord of all. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But then the psalm jumps to the scene of God's house. Who is giving homage to the Lord? If he is the sovereign, who is obeying him? Who, who is living under his lordship? We know it's God's house because in biblical imagery, the hill of the Lord is where God lives. It's his home, my holy hill in verse 4. So the scene is this, while everyone's busy getting ready for the greatest holiday homecoming in human history, where man at last will dwell with God in his home, the question is asked, who is actually ready for the grand celebration? And as they look around, the answer is no one. No one's worthy, and that's the bad news. That's because being friends with God requires that you are in, in union with or in harmony with God's moral standards. In this harmony, it isn't enough for it to be superficial. It's a thick harmony, not thin. 
For God, the harmony with his, his moral law goes all the way down to the core. That's why the psalm mentions you must have clean hands, which is your outward behavior, and a pure heart, which are your inward thoughts and desires. So as you come to the Father's house on holiday, you discover he has barred the door. He has shut out the lights and locked them tight, and you're in trouble. But there's a second parallel in Psalm 24 as well to this holiday song, Over the River and Through the Wood. It is this. In the unlikely homecoming of Psalm 24, God comes to you. It's not just you coming to his house. The psalm shows that the Father rides over the river and through the wood to your house, which is your life portrayed in verses 7 through 10 as a city. Now, the historical setting of the city is that it has, it's the city of Jerusalem, which has gates. And the worship service described is one in which the Ark of the Covenant, either under David's reign, King David or King Solomon, was brought to the city into the temple. But there's more than ancient history here because homecoming of the ark that Psalm 24 describes shows God coming home to his city and never leaving. It's a permanent indwelling, a permanent homecoming. That's definitely not what happened to the ark. We don't even know where it is today. And the city of Jerusalem, well, it suffered a terrible fate in 70 A.D. So while the illusion of the psalmist is primarily to the ascension of the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, it has a greater fulfillment in the person of Christ who ascends to the very heavenly Jerusalem, the very gates of God. But Christ must not only enter heaven, Christ must also enter your heart in order for you to be saved. Here's how Spurgeon puts it. All that Christ has done for us is of no value unless a great work is done in us. I will repeat that. All that Christ has done for us is of no value unless a great work is done in us. So not only are you refused entry into God's house on this great holiday, God comes to you and you've barred the doors. You've turned out the lights and tell him to get off your property because of sin ignorance, and pride. This is the problem of the holiday in Psalm 24. You're unwelcome in God's house, and you're refusing God entry into yours. What should our response be? What's the resolution? Here's how the psalm speaks in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. This is the answer. The answer is to heed the command of the prophet and open your life to the entering king. Open your heart to Christ. This means three things. Number one, you have to see your need. You've got to recognize that this isn't your city. It's his. And the glory of the city isn't you or your accomplishments, your attainments, your own good works. One author I recently read described man trying to please God as someone jumping off the ground like this, higher and higher and higher and higher, hoping that at some point gravity will give way and your leap will take you all the way into heaven. It's ridiculous. It will never happen. You need to see your need. This requires a work of God. You see, you can't jump up to heaven. God has to come down to you and rescue you and 
welcome you because you're blinded by prejudice, pride, and love of sin. Without Christ in your heart, without Christ in the city, you were like an empty house. Have you seen those on the block? Have you seen one in your neighborhood or down the street? An empty house where perhaps a window's broken or the doors are boarded up. There's an orange or yellow sticker on the door. It's a sad, cheerless thing, isn't it? An abandoned house without a resident. You're like a a nest without a bird and in the springtime or in the fall you see these nests sometime that get dislodged and they're turned upside down in the yard. A nest without a bird, how sad, how sorry. You're like a body without a soul. That's called a corpse. Except we're walking around, we're living corpses when Christ is not living in our lives. So you need to see your need but you also need to recognize God's amazing grace. You see, the king of glory could come to this city knowing what he knows about us, and he could demand justice because his throne is being occupied by an imposter, a traitor, a rebel. I mentioned the historical setting of the psalm was the homecoming of the Ark of the Covenant, the symbolic dwelling of God with his people. Now, that's Old Testament grace, God dwelling with his people in the ark. But that ark is gone. Is God's grace gone as well? No, because there's another dwelling place of God with man, not built with human hands. He was born in our nature. He was clothed with human flesh. This is the mystery and the majesty of Christmas. In Christ, the Messiah could come in judgment, like in Lord of the Rings, the steward of the throne has become corrupt, and the king is angry. But instead of anger and judgment, he comes in mercy and grace. A baby born in Bethlehem, you see, Jesus is the ark of God. God dwelling with his people, God incarnate. Can't you see his amazing grace? So seeing your need and noticing his grace, finally, you must respond with faith. You must, you must open your heart. You must make a choice. You must decide to lay down your weapons, to surrender your battle against the king, to recognize that his glory is the thing you've been yearning for all along. Repent of refusing to welcome this king into your heart. This isn't just for wayward skeptics and seekers. I'm talking to Christians. Christians who whose righteousness and holiness, whose, whose, the cleanness of their hands is not matched by the inward purity of heart, the hypocritical religiosity that characterizes so many of us. All of us, one and all, are urged to open our hearts to receive him, lower our shields, raise the bars of the gates of your life. And you know, raising the doors and widening them suggests that this king that desires entry needs a bigger entrance than you've made for him. You're like, Jesus, you could come in this spot. He's like, no. Lift up your heads, you gates. Throw wide the doors. Tear them down. It's not big enough. Because I desire to do something for you that you couldn't have possibly even imagined. This is the king who rescues us from our doubts, our wandering, our rebellion. This is the king who says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek 
and humble of heart. What kind of king is this? In conclusion, if I were to paraphrase the Thanksgiving song in light of Psalm 24, here's, here's how I think it would go. Over the river and through the wood, to the Father's house we go. The Son shows the way on Christmas Day, and he brings us all the way home. Now that's not just a song for Christmas. That's a good song for our lives. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this evening for just the beautiful ceremony and tradition of Christmas. We thank you for the children and the lovely uh, performance that they've put on. We thank you for the sincerity and the, the innocence that we see. We thank you for all the great readings, but most of all, we thank you for Christ. It is he whom we worship. He is the king of glory. We desire him to be king, not only of our hearts, but of this church, of all the churches that are represented. We desire him to not only rescue wayward sheep, but to bring proud, arrogant sheep to our knees. We desire him to be king of the world, which he will be someday very soon. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.mercyhillnj.org. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Church House, located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us. Please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.